What people do not realize is that danger is a very small function of adrenaline. The primary function of adrenaline is to make sure the brain has enough fuel to operate. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 118 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. My name is Renee, tuning in from Las Vegas today, along with my sister, Lauren. Hey, everyone. Tuning in from Maryland today. You have a nice fall outfit on, I can see. <laughs> okay, this is the first day that I am wearing a flannel shirt. It's actually not even that cold outside, but it looks like fall. I want it to be fall. So here so we So you're are. dressing like fall. Perfect. I'm <laughs> dressing like fall. Yeah, I'm ready Love for it. it. Awesome. All right. Well, we have a special guest for you today. We have Dr. Michael Platt coming on the show. I read his book a couple years ago, Adrenaline Dominance, and I was very intrigued by the topic because no one else is talking about this. He's really putting himself out there as being, as having a different perspective on the root cause of so many chronic health issues. So he's going to really share a lot about this idea of adrenaline dominance, what the symptoms are, what some of the chronic health conditions we're seeing from it. But I will say, if you want to go even deeper into this topic, definitely check out the book because he gives a lot more research on it, uh, testimonials, things like that. So if you're curious and kind of intrigued by this idea, definitely check out the book. Yeah, definitely check out the book. And I just want to kind of share my opinion. This is purely opinion, but to be completely honest, I am not sure that I'm totally on board with the information that he presented today. And I'll tell you why we really care on the show about looking at root cause. Also in our health coaching practice, we care about getting to the bottom of what is potentially causing dysfunction, which as you all know, could be more than one thing. So I'm always on the lookout for what could be a deeper issue here. And Dr. Platt really presents a very novel and new and interesting theory. And I'm not saying that he's incorrect, but I think this is a great opportunity for you as our audience to listen with a really critical thinking mind. Does this make sense to you? So adrenaline dominance, he says, causes many, 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 many things. And I think that is potentially true. Like a lot of us live in fight or flight. A lot of us are really, really stressed all of the time. But I think it's important to listen to this episode and say, is there something else? Is there something on the foundational level that I can do to support my nervous system, to support that fight or flight, to come back into balance, such as the things we talk about on the show all the time, sleep, proper hydration, nutrition that is personalized to you, exercise that is personalized to you. You know, we have a lot of tools at our disposal to bring our system back into balance. And then we can go, 
am I adrenaline dominant? What other things do I have? What resources do I have to potentially help me if the foundational stuff does not work? So I just think this is a really great opportunity for you guys to listen with that critical thinking mind and with in the back of your mind, that root cause theory that there is always something underneath. There's probably many things underneath. What could that be? Yeah. I I think I'm still a little confused by, you know, whether it's the chicken or the egg. I definitely think a lot of us are running around with high adrenaline, but is there something that's causing that? And then that, that is what's causing the health issues or vice versa. So again, like Lauren said, keep an open mind. Uh, We hope you are intrigued by this idea of adrenaline dominance. I certainly am intrigued. It's new for me. So I think, you know, he could be the only person talking about this. And I think we should pay attention to that. The only thing I really highly disagree with is that breath work maybe is not helping us. I think we all do need to work on our breath work. I'll just leave that there. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So Dr. Michael Platt, he graduated from New York Medical College and is board certified in internal medicine. Known internationally as an expert in bioidentical hormones, is the author of The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones, Adrenaline Dominance, and The Platt Protocol for Hormone Balancing. All right. Let's bring Dr. Platt on. Welcome, Dr. Platt, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We're so thrilled to have you today. Thank you. So we have a brand new topic for our listeners today. Just a quick background story. So I first heard you speak on a podcast, I think like two years ago, and I immediately went out and got your book, Adrenaline (laughs) Dominance. I think I read it in three days. I couldn't put it down. I was so fascinated by this topic because no one else is talking about it. I think even in the health and biohacking space, it's it's a new different topic. And I think we really need to dive into that. And it sounds like it's a bigger issue in today's world than people even have a clue about. So to kick us off, let's just get to the basics. What is adrenaline dominance? Well, most people have heard of adrenaline. Uh, It is a hormone. It's also a neurotransmitter. And most people think of it as what they call the fight or flight hormone. And uh, so when people are in danger, the body just pours out adrenaline. And as soon as the danger passes, then the adrenaline level goes down. What people do not realize is that danger is a very small function of adrenaline. The primary function of adrenaline is to make sure the brain has enough fuel to operate. People, again, are not aware that the brain uses more sugar, glucose, than any other tissue in the body. And anytime the body detects that the glucose levels in the brain are low, it puts out adrenaline to raise glucose levels. It's a process called gluconeogenesis where it converts protein into, into glucose. But the, uh, so people have to understand that the brain can run out of fuel anytime during the day, but it especially runs out of fuel during the night. Uh, in fact, adrenaline peaks at 2.30 in the morning and a lot of people will wake up at that time. You know, if, And adrenaline also gets people that urge to urinate so they may have to get up to urinate. And even during the day, you know, they have something called an overactive bladder affecting a lot of women, and that's caused by adrenaline. And some women actually lose urine while they're running to the bathroom, and they call that urgency incontinence. But again, it's all adrenaline. And everything that we're going to mention today with regard to adrenaline is easy to fix. I just want to alert people. That's good um, to know. Yeah, so adrenaline is a survival hormone, but its main function is providing sugar to the brain. You know, when 
when you take sugar away from the brain, it falls asleep. You know, they call that hypoglycemia, low blood sugars. And a lot of people get sleepy when they're driving. Again, that's a low blood sugar. But at any time, people will experience that low sugar. They rest assured the body will be putting out adrenaline to raise the sugar level back up again. Hmm. Great. That makes sense. So I know you're really big on root cause and getting to, you know, the original root of what's happening for chronic illness and many of the metabolic diseases that we're dealing with today, because you mentioned glucose in the brain and this release of adrenaline through the night, do you think that blood sugar dysfunction could be a root cause of that happening? And can we change our dietary patterns, lifestyle choices to benefit that in a positive way? Yeah. Nutrition is the primary approach to increase adrenaline. You know, people somewhere down the line should learn that they have to become proactive about their health. You know, mm-hmm. if I can vent a little bit, you know, our, our whole medical system is controlled by drug companies. And drug companies, you know, they they control what doctors learn in medical school. They control, control the medical boards. They control the FDA. They control everything. And they have no interest in people being healthy. And that's what controls our whole medical system. So people have to learn that if they really want to be healthy, they have to become proactive. They have to learn how to be healthy on their own. That's what I try to get across to people. You know, when it comes to hormone, every, everything in the body is controlled by hormones and doctors get no training in hormone. And doctors are not trained to treat the cause of illness. They're just trained to give out Band-Aid. So that's what I'm saying that, you know, so what I'm hoping when we, talk today that people will learn how easy it is to be healthy if they treat the reason why they're not healthy. I'm getting off my soapbox now. That's great. You That's can great. stay on your soapbox. Yeah. We are right there with you. We're big believers in root cause. And we actually just recorded a podcast about maybe digging a little bit deeper because, you know, you go to your doctor and very often you get some candy and you stay on it for the rest of your life. And we're not looking at these lifestyle practices that could really actually mm-hmm. help us. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, we love what you stand for. I actually have a, a doctor friend who jokes that he missed the nutrition course in medical school because he went ah. to the bathroom for a few minutes because <laughs> it was 30 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, nutrition is so important. So what are some basic nutrition things that people can start doing to optimize their health? Well, when it comes, when it comes to adrenaline and, you know, people realize that the body is putting out adrenaline just to raise sugar levels then right away what that tells them is that if they provide fuel to the brain, the body doesn't have to use adrenaline to do it. Now, before we go any further, I want people to understand what adrenaline is really doing, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, let's start with colic in babies. Most people do not realize that colic in babies is caused by excess adrenaline. And babies that have colic are the ones that do a lot of kicking when they're in the womb before they're, before they're delivered. And that's adrenaline also. So, but colic can be eliminated in about three minutes just by taking some uh, a 5% progestin cream and rubbing it on the baby's belly. And then the next time, you know, they have what's called the terrible twos, which is mostly adrenaline. But bedwetting in children is only caused by excess adrenaline. And that can be eliminated in 24 hours. And yet some children stay with it for years because doctors don't know how to treat it. You know, all your listeners have heard of something called ADHD. Uh, in my book, I, I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to conditions related to adrenaline. The only condition I actually put in the good section was ADHD. And 
The reason I do that is that the most intelligent, successful, creative people in the world have ADHD. So how bad can it be? And But, you know, they label it as a learning disorder, and it's not. ADHD is actually an interest disorder. If they're interested, they'll focus. If they're not interested, they will not focus. You know, for example, kids in high school, you know, they're subjected to algebra, which is a something that once they leave high school, they'll never need. And it really should be an elective course rather than a mandatory yeah. course. So the thing is, if they're interested, they'll focus. If they're not interested, their mind goes so quickly because of the adrenaline that they get distracted very easily. But you can actually get rid of ADHD in 24 hours just by lowering adrenaline. Uh, instead, these kids are put on stimulants like Ritalin, Stratera, Adderall, which carry a side effect of sudden death. But, you know, that's an acceptable side effect for our medical system. You know, it comes under the standard of care. You know, using progestin cream to get rid of ADHD is not under the standard of care, but it eliminates it. But other things, you know, other problems related to excess adrenaline, insomnia. The number one cause of insomnia is adrenaline. And it's why the mind races in some people when they try to sleep and, and you know, tossing and turning and restless leg syndrome and getting up at night to urinate for the most part is all related to adrenaline. People that grind their teeth, they call that bruxism or, or clench their jaw, that's, yeah. a, that's adrenaline. When people have a lot of adrenaline, uh, they very often have cold hands and cold feet, which is always blamed on the thyroid, a low thyroid, but it's actually adrenaline cutting off blood supply to areas of the body that are not needed for survival. And that includes the intestine. That's where constipation comes from with IBS. And it also cuts off blood supply to the salivary glands, which is why I never recommend, never recommend saliva tests for hormones. I just want the listener to realize that. Hmm. The, um, but other, you know, anxiety is only caused by adrenaline and, and uh, depression uh, from internalization of anger. And adrenaline is an anger hormone. That's where road rage comes from. And PTSD comes from. And when people have a lot of adrenaline, they carry a lot of tension in the back of the neck and that can cause tinnitus. And it certainly it's the number one cause of headaches. So I'm, I'm just saying adrenaline is very pervasive. It's a very common cause of many conditions but they're all easy to fix. So anyway, and we'll Interesting. talk. Yeah. And how, how would we know if our adrenaline is high? Is it just if we have any of those things or is there anything that people would feel in the moment? Well, when people have a lot of adrenaline, they'll have a number of symptoms. Like, like, like I mentioned, the cold hands and cold feet. Uh, they'll carry a lot of tension in the back of the neck. They'll be very quick to anger. They'll be short-fused. They might have anxiety. They'll have trouble sleeping. And in other words, it's not, it's not a subtle type problem. And people who have adrenaline will feel it, hmm. but nobody ever talks about it anyway. And so how yeah. are we testing for this? Like what labs, what biomarkers would reveal this dominance? And it, is it always a high value or could a low value indicate well, a dominance? If somebody wants to get objective evidence, like a lab test that they have too much adrenaline, the best test would be a morning cortisol done, done on the blood, not saliva, but a blood test for cortisol. And the reason for that is that adrenaline peaks around 2.30 in the morning. And when the body releases adrenaline, because it's a very powerful hormone, it creates stress to the body. And the body responds to stress by putting out cortisol. And cortisol helps relieve stress. And so the, uh, so the best test for adrenaline is to do a cortisol test on blood before nine o'clock in the morning. 
Now, you cannot go by the normal levels. And the reason I say that is because they use medical students to determine what normal levels of cortisol are. And all, all doctors have increased adrenaline. They do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for myself, I had I used to get up and walk out of class. I couldn't focus at all in school. I, I didn't focus until I got into medical school because I was interested in medicine, but I had no interest in whatever else they were teaching. Anyway, so so the so the importance is 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 that cortisol is another hormone, by the way, that, that raises sugar levels. Now remember, adrenaline raises sugar levels. So while people lie in bed trying to sleep, they're putting out two hormones that raise sugar. And the whole thing about sugar, it doesn't matter whether you're eating sugar or if the body is making sugar. If you don't burn the sugar up, uh, the body stores that all that sugar as fat in your fat cells. And I am 100% convinced that the number one cause of weight gain in this country is adrenaline and cortisol. You know, people, people know that cortisol causes weight, but they don't realize that adrenaline is what causes the body to release cortisol. And nobody ever talks about this as a cause of weight gain. And, they, and, they, this, and people are actually putting on fat while they're sleeping, which is not fair. But I'm saying that's how it happens. So, so I'm, I'm still trying to understand on a lab test, if you're going to test cortisol, so you're not testing epinephrine or epinephrine met metabolites, because there, we, there's different parts of the adrenals, of course, right? Like the cortex produces cortisol, the medulla is where we get the epinephrine or epinephrine. So are you not directly testing the epinephrine? Uh, no, and uh, the reason for that is that the way hormones operate is that they attach to receptor sites. And there are so many receptor sites for adrenaline that that you could actually have a lot of adrenaline, but when you but once a hormone is attached to receptor site, you can't get a, a blood level on it. So I suspect, so I, I looked at adrenaline levels, but they're not as accurate in, in terms of uh, indicating excess adrenaline as, as cortisol is. But actually, 99% of a diagnosis is sitting down talking to a patient. And you don't need a blood test to know if somebody has a lot of adrenaline. You'll know. And if we're really talking about root cause, how can we say that it's purely adrenaline versus a blood sugar issue or just a poor lifestyle habit, like someone's not getting sleep or maybe a gut pathogen or a mold illness? <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, but if, if somebody has symptoms relate, that are related to excess adrenaline, you know, the, the reason why the body's putting out the adrenaline is to raise sugar level. Unless somebody's in danger, that's something else. That, that's rare. But the, ca the cause of excess adrenaline is just the body putting out adrenaline to raise sugar levels for the brain. But what that does, it tells people that the way to approach this is to provide the brain with fuel, the right fuel. You can actually get rid of excess adrenaline in, in 24 hours just by providing the right fuel to the brain. What about ketones for the brain? Can we be using those rather than glucose? Well, you know, you can do ketones by going on a ketogenic diet, which I don't recommend because it's a very hard diet to accomplish. But you can get ketones directly from coconut oil or MCT oil. So when it comes to treating excess adrenaline, you know, one thing you want to give the brain is glucose. And the best source of glucose for the brain comes from vegetables. Now, you don't think of vegetables being high in sugar, and they're not. But all carbohydrates, like vegetables, break down into sugar. But some simulate the release of a lot of insulin, and they call that high glycemic carbohydrates. Vegetables are low glycemic. In fact, green vegetables don't produce any insulin at all. 
you know, candy and soda are great sources of glucose, but they produce a lot of insulin, which lowers sugar and defeats the purpose. So vegetables are actually the best source of glucose for the brain. And then you have coconut oil, which is great, great for cooking, but it has a high heat threshold to provide uh, ketones or uh, MCT oil, which comes from coconut oil, which is actually a, be- a little bit of a better source of ketones. And that has no flavor, so you can add, add it to anything. A lot of people put it in coffee. I believe they call it bulletproof coffee. And so you can put it in tea, you can use it as a salad dressing with vinegar. You can just take a tablespoon. And what about anyone that cannot tolerate a saturated fat, like a coconut oil? Well, they'll probably have to deal with adrenaline. <laughs> we are always going to blame adrenaline, is the answer. <laughs> and what about high blood sugar? I mean, obviously, if your blood sugar is low, this is going to happen to bring it up. But what about people walking around with hyperglycemia? Is that an issue? You know, that's an interesting point, you know, because I've never looked at it from that standpoint, whether people with high blood sugars have low, low adrenaline. It's an interesting question. But usually when people have high sugars, very often it's exacerbated by the fact that they're putting out a lot of adrenaline. You know, uh, they have a, a test called the hemoglobin A1C. And it's a marker for, for, for blood sugar and red blood cells over the prior three months. So it gives you an idea of, of what your sugar levels have been doing. And when your hemoglobin A1C is elevated, they will tell somebody they're pre-diabetic. However, the most common reason why somebody would have an elevated hemoglobin A1C is because they had too much adrenaline and they're putting out a lot of sugar. But isn't the adrenaline a stress response to something that's, you know irritating the body. So maybe a poor food choice, something you are allergic or sensitive to an environmental toxin or responding to a stressor, which is causing a cause and effect. It's a good point. You know, when people are exposed to mold, you know, you have to remember that adrenaline is a fight or flight type hormone. And anytime there is a concern about um, survival. And I think when people are exposed to mold, that that might set up a fight or flight type thing. Uh, When people have Lyme disease, they could set up a, a fight or flight because they have a lot of adrenaline. Yeah. So there are different reasons why the body does release adrenaline, but for the most part, it's due to a low blood sugar. Okay. Um, so we really need to be focusing on controlling blood sugar. Sounds like that's the number one thing for nutrition. It is. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. I just wanted to take a quick break from today's show to tell you about one of our favorite supplement companies, Keon. They make a couple amazing products that are just our absolute go-tos, such as the Keon Aminos for building muscle and helping us get through a fast, the Keon Lean, which helps with blood sugar support, weight loss, and Keon Flex to keep our joints healthy so that we can hit the gym extra hard the next day. And even the coffee is fabulous. So the coffee is super, super clean, mold-free. They test it and it also tastes delicious. They even have a dark roast coffee now. So those are just a few of our top favorites, but Keon has a ton of great stuff. So definitely check out their website. If you go to getkeon, and that's K-I-O-N.com slash biobabes, you can check out all of their awesome products. And then at checkout to get 15% off, just use code biobabes15. And in case you need the link, we will put that in the show notes for today's episode. All right. If you have any questions, let us know. Hope you enjoy the products. And let, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, there's another condition that we didn't talk about um, that you may be familiar with called fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. 
And fibromyalgia, they have anywhere from four to 10 million people that have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And doctors always tell the patient there's no cure for it. But now remember, you know, doctors are not trained to treat the cause of illness. But the cause of fibromyalgia, for the most part, is increased adrenaline. And adrenaline causes muscle to tighten up. And when you keep muscle tense, you build up lactic acid. And the lactic acid is what causes the pain of fibromyalgia. And when you keep muscle tense over a long period of time, you use up a lot of energy. And so the other thing that people complain about with fibromyalgia is fatigue. And very often they'll wake up with low back pain or pain along the side of the hip. And there are, there are like 18 pressure points that you can press in that causes pain when, when you have fibromyalgia. But the thing is, is that I, what I tell people that have chronic pain, fibromyalgia, that if they're going to have chronic pain, the best thing they can have is fibromyalgia because it's the easiest chronic pain condition to eliminate. So question there, if that's the root cause of fibromyalgia, I've always been taught that mold and biotoxins were an extremely common cause for fibromyalgia. So would you say that anyone could develop fibromyalgia? It's just you're reacting more to the mold if you already have adrenaline dominance? I no, I, I guess I'm asking, like, is it chicken or the egg? How do we really know what's coming? I would, I would take issue with that. Um, I think that the, probably 95% of people with fibromyalgia um, have it be, only because of increased adrenaline. And But like I say, mold can put people into a fight or flight type situation. But I don't think mold is a common cause of, you know, the reason why the body has increased adrenaline. The, the reason I say that is that, you know, I've, I've treated hundreds of patients with fibromyalgia. And, and they all get better, not by treating mold, but just by lowering adrenaline. Hmm. Okay. I'm wondering if it's also possible by decreasing adrenaline, you're letting the body do some of its natural healing, right? The body is pretty intelligent. Maybe the if body, we're lowering adrenaline, it's letting it work the body, better. The body has an amazing capacity for healing itself. <laughs> yes. If you, if you allow it to. If you allow it to. Right. That's the key. Yeah. We believe that. So let's talk about how you're doing that. How are we bringing adrenaline down or blocking it? Are we dampening the stress response? What, what exactly is happening? Well, again, this is why it's so important that people understand that in order to get better, people have to treat the reason why they're not well. So when it comes to adrenaline, the reason why they're producing all this adrenaline is remember just to raise sugar levels for the brain. So if they understand that, then they understand the importance of providing right, the right fuel to the brain. You know, they, they have something called functional medicine, which I'm sure you're aware of. And, and functional medicine doctors, their they're claim to fame is that they treat the cause of illness. But I have to be honest with you. I, you know, I've talked to a number of functional medicine schools. They had no interest in learning about adrenaline. And to me, you cannot be a functional medicine doctor without knowing about adrenaline because adrenaline is the underlying cause of so many conditions that it felt to be incurable. Have you ever heard of something called PMDD? Of course. Yeah, yeah premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's found in about 8% of women that are menstruating. And, and these are the women that for 10 days out of the month, nobody can live with them. They have severe anger issues and severe mood swings. And again, it's a condition that is felt to be incurable. Uh, they don't know what causes it. Uh, they always treat it with antidepressants, which do absolutely nothing. But again, it's all caused by excess adrenaline. And so, with that, we see an imbalance in our steroid hormones, estrogen, well, progesterone. It's absolutely in an imbalance. You know, the, the problem is women go to gynecology. <laughs> because we're told to do so. <laughs> well, you know, 
I, I mentioned before, doctors get no training in hormones, and that includes gynecologists. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and, and for some reason, gynecologists are almost unaware of, of the hormone called progesterone. And to me, that's the most important hormone in a woman's body and almost, almost the most important hormone in a man's body, even though doctors and people think that progesterone is a woman's hormone. But men and women have the identical hormones, different levels, but the identical hormones. And, and men, men stop making progesterone right around the age of 50, it stops. And right after that age, that's when they start getting prostate cancer because they no longer have progesterone to block estrogen. They start putting on weight around the middle because they no longer have progesterone to block insulin. So it's an important hormone for both men and women. So, you know, there's another condition called chronic interstitial cystitis, also felt to be incurable and also caused by excess adrenaline. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to do is, is to get a message out there that people become aware of how easy it is to get themselves fixed. Um, you know, people deal with these conditions for years. I mean, I, I see and hear this all the time, you know, how people are, are mistreated by our medical system. And it's tragic. It really is. You know, look at all the yeah. mothers that have to stay up all night with a crying baby, you know, with colic, when all they need to do is rub some progesterone cream on the baby's belly goes away in about three minutes. Mm. And, but what that tells you, by the way, is how safe progesterone is to give to anyone. If, if you can give it to a baby, you can give it to anybody. So is that always the treatment? Progesterone cream? Well, you know, when it comes to progesterone, you know, people should be aware they have progesterone, oral progesterone, you know, in the capsules and control case. Right. Which goes to the have, liver. And they have progesterone cream. You're right. Progesterone goes straight to the liver, converts into a different hormone called allopregnanolone. So anytime you take progesterone orally, you're not getting progesterone. Be nice if doctors realize that. But but anyway, now when it comes to creams, there are all sorts of different strengths of progesterone and, and, and they're all available over the counter. Every every strength of progesterone is available over the counter. But when it comes to progesterone and adrenaline, it's very important to realize that the exact strength you need is a 5% progesterone cream. 5% means that each pump is 50 milligrams. And 50 milligrams is the exact strength you need to block adrenaline. You know, for those are blocking it. Yeah. So progesterone um, and go, you know, within minutes, uh, people that have a lot of adrenaline, once they put progesterone cream on, they feel more relaxed. They can focus better. I mean, this is within minutes. Hmm. But, you know, people that have trouble sleeping, people that have anger issues, people, you can get rid of road rage in 24 hours. I mean, that's how quickly you can deal with adrenaline. But, you know, uh, you know, but people get cited when they're driving for road rage and they, they wind up going to anger management class, which is a waste of time because what is that does nothing for their anger. You know, their anger is adrenaline. But, you know, again, you know, this whole country is unaware of adrenaline. A lot of reason why people get into drugs and alcohol is because of a lot of adrenaline. They just want to relax and chill out. But so they go through a detox or rehab. And but none of these institutions deal with the reason why people get into drugs and alcohol in the first place. And they don't want to because they want repeat customers. I mean, that's what keeps them going. So I'm just sort of, you know, <laughs> venting here. That's all. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, I, I will speak from a personal experience. I used to find I had road rage. I'll be totally honest. I was a very angry driver. My cortisol at the time was all over the place. I didn't know about adrenaline, but I also used to turn to alcohol because alcohol would always make me feel better. Yeah. So there's definitely an interesting correlation. I no longer have road rage. I'm a very safe driver now. 
<laughs> Very nice on the road. <laughs> so, so your listeners want to know if you're using progesterone. Well, that's my next question to you. So I have used progesterone cream, but my recent hormone test showed my progesterone was on the high end for my age and my estrogen and testosterone were on the low end for my age. So question to you, is that a concern? I, I Let me tell you something. I, I've been doing hormones for a long, long time, probably before you were born. And <laughs> And I've never, ever had a, a woman that had a normal progesterone level, ever. And what's considered normal? Well, uh, you know, theoretically, the test should be done on day 21 of their cycle. And at that time, it should be somewhere between 26 and 28 nanograms. But was it a saliva test that they did your progesterone that it was a little bit high? Um, this was the Dutch panel. So urine... Okay, I don't even look. I don't look at urine tests. I I can't. I can't compare. I don't. Well, I'm curious because I've done the Dutch as well many times, which does saliva and urinary metabolites, and I've also done serum blood work for progesterone. Mine's always been exactly in range and within a pretty narrow range on every test that I've ever done. Well, the the range is very wide, though. But no, I just said on a narrow range, so looking at a very specific range compared to the other hormones. But it probably was not close to 26 to 28, I would think. Hmm. That you're saying that's the ideal, 26 to 28. Well, yeah, but I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You know, progesterone is such an incredibly important hormone for women. Yeah, you know, uh, when women have cramps and and PMS with their periods, you know, that's a low progesterone. Uh, when women have fibroids, endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, that's a low progesterone. And when women take birth control pills, they stop ovulating, so they're not even making progesterone. They should never, never have allowed birth control to the market. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of issues there. So for women, if they are going to supplement with progesterone, I mean, we do see this natural cycle throughout the month. Should we try and follow that cycle as we supplement with the cream? I, I ne- you know, I never, I never, never do progesterone levels because it's a hormone that you can't hurt, you can't hurt anybody with progesterone. Like doing too much. So I, so to me, I treat people. I don't treat lab tests. I look at labs, but I treat people. And and the reason for that, you can never go wrong treating a person, but you can go awfully long, awfully wrong trying to treat a lab test because lab tests vary all the time. Um, right, it's constantly changing. And usually, the other thing I should mention that when people use have a lot of um, adrenaline and they're under stress, the body's putting out cortisol. Cortisol is an anti-thyroid hormone. So very often when people have a lot of adrenaline, they're also low on thyroid. And, and the reason for that is that adrenaline is a stimulant and thyroid is a stimulant. So when people have a lot of adrenaline, they don't tolerate thyroid. So for those people that have a lot of adrenaline, they should be aware that once they get their adrenaline down, they may have to go on thyroid. And a, a, classic, a classic sign of an underactive thyroid is cracked heels, by the way. When you have heels that crack. That, yeah, I've seen that. That's a, that's a low thyroid. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different things going on with thyroid, but I see a lot of the causes for a thyroid imbalance, at least it's showing up. I know you're not a big fan of lab tests, but when I look at them, it's, you know, the primary reason is not usually just the thyroid. It could be an underlying gut pathogen dysbiosis problem in the HPA axis, which I guess is where we would classify adrenaline. Well, and also estrogen affects thyroid low. Um, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's all all a part of the picture. So I'm you know, just, and, 
curious, like is progesterone always the answer? Like, are we, are we stepping back to look at blood sugar issues or maybe lifestyle nutritional choices, or do you always go right to the cream? Well, progesterone is usually part of the approach. Uh, they may have some thyroid issues. They may have a low testosterone, which is another important hormone. DHEA, women with the highest levels of DHEA live the longest. So that might be important. You know, like I say, hormones control everything in the body. And as people get older, the hormone levels go down. When it comes to thyroid, the thyroid controls metabolism in every cell of the body. So it's an incredibly important hormone and not well treated, by the way, but but it's an important hormone. Usually when doctors look at thyroid, they, they only do one test called a TSH level. And what they don't realize is that there are two different types of underactive thyroid, the primary and secondary. Primary is when your own thyroid just doesn't produce enough thyroid. An example of that is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But this is, but secondary is where the, when, the, when the pituitary doesn't put out enough TSH. And doctors are completely unaware of secondary hypothyroidism. So, so when they do a TSH level and it's low, they think you have plenty of thyroid. But it could be that you don't have enough thyroid. You know, I have to be honest with you. It's not hard to get people well. It really isn't. You just really have to know how the body operates. And good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just curious still if you would always give progesterone or would you try to support the blood sugar response first and then come back in with progesterone? You know, progesterone is so safe and so beneficial. I don't, you know, to me, and since most people are low on progesterone, both men and women, and since a lot of people have a lot of adrenaline, to me, you can't hurt anybody with it. There's basically no downside to it. Normally speaking, the only time that progesterone may be a concern, uh, are you familiar with it, with a condition called type three diabetes? Yes. And for your listeners, type three diabetes is insulin resistance in the brain. And why it's important is that some people feel it's the number one precursor to Alzheimer's, this, this condition. And people may have heard that Alzheimer's could be cured just by giving coconut oil. And, and the reason for that is that coconut oil provides ketones to the brain. Ketones go directly into the brain. They don't need insulin to get into the brain. But when it comes to insulin resistance in the brain or type 3 diabetes, they don't have a test for it. There is no test for it. However, if you have somebody that has type 3 diabetes and give them progesterone cream, within seconds, they'll have a lot of increased adrenaline. And so there is a test for it. It's giving using progesterone cream. Doctors don't realize that. So if I have a patient that all of a sudden start, starts using progesterone and has, you know, palpitations and, and, and stress and anxiety, whatever, then to me, that means one of two things. Either they have type 3 diabetes or insulin resistance, or they just have no fuel in the brain. But in either, either condition, the treatment is to, is to give the brain fuel. And then after giving the fuel, you can retest the progesterone and, uh, and see how they do. Gotcha. So you're really big on people being proactive with their health, making healthy habit changes. What would you say are your top three things you would recommend for someone to do for overall health? <laughs> Other than stay away from doctors. Um, I, I'm kidding about that. Staying away from what? Oh, I say stay away from doctors. But anyway. Uh, that can be number one. Well, well people have to be, you know, if, if, if they have something that interferes with the quality of their life, whether it be pain or sleep problems or anxiety or whatever, 
they have to they have to become aware that what their symptoms are, and then they they what they really need to do is to try to find out what what's causing these problems, and then once they know what's causing it, then they try to deal with the cause dealing with the just dealing directly with whatever the cause is. I know I sounded pretty vague, but it's just a, yeah, it's just a matter of cause. being being aware of what your problems are, and then try to figure out why you have these problems. Right, rather than the band aid. You know, I w- I was taught that ninety percent of a diagnosis is sitting down talking to a patient, and doctors don't do that anymore. You know, they're working on their little computers and doing this and that, but not sometimes not even looking at the patient. Frankly, most of them do not know how to interpret lab tests. I don't know. It just, it's tough out there. It really is. You know, I, I should let your listener know that I, I, I got in trouble with the medical board in California because doctors were concerned that I was taking their patients off their drugs. And I do that because when you treat down the line cause of illness, people get better. They don't need drugs. But that's a real slap in the face to doctors. And, and so they reported me to the medical board. Now, the medical board couldn't, could not investigate me because they never had a complaint from a patient about me and they needed three complaints. So they sent in undercover patients to, to act as patients so they could initiate complaints. So once they had the complaint, they went after me, you know, and uh, um, their main concern, believe it or not, are you familiar with something called stress incontinence uh, in women? If they cough or sneeze, urine leaks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And, you know, they had a lot of different approaches to this and, you know, vaginal meshes and all this kind of stuff. And, but the thing is, is that women lose that muscle control around the urethra. And it's a very, very simple matter of taking some testosterone cream, uh, having it inserted intravaginally, and then doing those Kegel exercises. Now, without testosterone, you can Kegel 24 hours a day. You're not going to get any, any relief. But once you have testosterone there and you need testosterone to build muscle and do the exercises, Within three to six days, they have 100% control of their urine, 100%. And it's 100% effective. But when the medical board found out that I was doing this, you know, they're trying to figure out what they, they couldn't find. You know, I've never harmed a patient. They, they, they've never had a complaint for a patient. But their expert felt that the idea that I was treating patients with, with testosterone cream for incontinence without doing a pelvic exam was a, an extreme departure from the standard of care. And just for not doing pelvic exams, I wanted to take away my life. Let me tell you something. I, um, I, I'm, I mentioned this because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit aggravated with our medical system and the medical boards. Understandable. Medicine has always been a passion for me. And getting people well is very rewarding. And people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a, a patient who came in to see me. He was a 47-year-old man. And the reason why he came to see me is that every morning he would wake up and vomit. And frankly, there's only one thing that'll cause that kind of vomiting, and that's adrenaline. Uh, You may have heard of women that vomit throughout their entire pregnancy. Again, that's adrenaline also. So not only did he have have vomiting every morning, he had severe fibromyalgia. So, you know, we're talking, and I I put some progestin cream on on his forearm. He rubbed his arms together. And we continued talking. And after about five minutes, he sat back in his chair and he looked at me and he said, Doc, in my entire life, I have never felt this good. That's only after five minutes. And, you know, needless to say, um, he never had vomiting ever. Uh, once he left my office, the vomiting disappeared, his fibromyalgia disappeared. I'm just saying that wouldn't it be nice if doctors could experience this kind of wellness in their patients? 
you know, instead of just handing out drugs, you know, but that's what they do. Yeah. Money seems to be a, a primary motivator, but we're well, on board with you. We definitely want to increase people's longevity and health span and have them, you know, at least have an easier time here while we're on earth. Yes. exactly. <laughs> so when it comes to treating adrenaline, you know, it's just a matter of giving the fuel, you know, the brain needs and using the, the 5% progesterone cream, which normally goes on the forearm. But when people have a lot of adrenaline, they almost always carry tension in the back of their neck. So that's an excellent place to put progesterone cream also. And if they have ringing in the ears or, well, let's talk about headaches. Um, you've heard of migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's interesting is that I've been in practice for a long time and I've had a lot of patients with a lot of problems. But every patient that I've ever had who, who claimed that they had migraine headaches actually didn't have migraine headaches. They had another type of headache that nobody ever talks about called occipital neuritis, which you may never, occipital neuritis uh, comes from the occipital nerve sheath at the base of the skull. Uh, it causes excruciating headaches. That's why it's always mistaken for migraines. And very often it shoots right into the back of the eye. And you can diagnose it just by pressing your thumb in at the base of the skull and getting a very tender spot. But the point is, it's only caused by excess adrenaline causing the muscle to tense up and squeeze that nerve sheet. The point is, is that putting the progesterone cream on the back of the neck eliminates these headaches. But it's another example of showing how easy it is to get somebody well just by knowing why they're not well. But if they can't (laughs) even diagnose the right type of headache, how are they going to get these people well? Exactly. I, I just wanted to circle back to something. Fasting. I think I've heard you say before, that you do recommend people, is it snack before bed or eat dinner later so that they're not fasting too long overnight and causing that low blood sugar? Here's the thing. The brain runs out of fuel about every three to four hours. So needless to say, adrenaline peaks right around 2.30 in the morning because the brain is running out of fuel. So the body, again, puts out adrenaline at that time. You know, we talked about ADHD very slightly. And there's basically two different types of ADHD. You know, one is typical type ADHD where somebody is hyperactive, they have trouble focusing. But they have another type of ADHD, what they refer to as ADD. And these are kids that they have trouble focusing, but they're not hyperactive. Now, these are the people, or the kids, children, whatever, that I say have what's called a creative type ADHD. These are creative type people. And, and the thing about why it's important to understand that somebody's creative is that creative people have the most adrenaline. They have absolutely the most adrenaline, which is why a lot of creative people, you know, deal with weight problems because they're putting out all this adrenaline day and night, especially during the night. And the adrenaline is raising sugar levels and not burning it up. And they have a weight problem. Kids that are hyperactive you know, with ADHD, they're hyperactive. They burn up their sugar, but kids with ADD, do not burn up their sugar because they're not hyperactive. So they have a, a weight issue. Um, but creative people, somebody said, well, how do I know if I'm creative? <laughs> well, uh, creative people, first of all, they're very intuitive about other people. They, they can pick up good energy and bad energy. And they have premonitions and deja vu type feeling. They'll, when the phone rings, they'll either know who it is before they answer or they'll say, geez, I was just thinking about you. And very often they'll fall asleep when somebody else is driving. Um, But they'll also notice that animals will be very attracted to them. They actually have the same ability as as dog whisperers or horse whisperers 
and the same ability as clairvoyants or psychics. You know, this is how they operate again with adrenaline and, and a right brain. When people have a when they're creative and right brain and they have a lot of adrenaline, the adrenaline in the right brain allows them to tap into the energy that goes through the air. A lot of energy from Wi-Fi and satellite and cell phones, a lot of energy going through the air and they can tap into it. There are a lot of different types of creativity, you know, interior designers and they have musicians and they have this type. But as soon as I know that somebody's creative, I know they're going to have a lot of adrenaline. I know this. Hmm. I've always thought of creative people. uh, I I would never put them in the same bucket as necessarily intuitive because I think we all have very intuitive capabilities, but because of a lot of noise out there and default mode network. But once you clear that away, you're able to tap into your intuition. But I think that seems separate from creativity. I'm not sure how you can categorize. No, I don't. I don't separate them. I, if you're intuitive, you're probably creative. And you know, and if you if you yourself have this ability, and you don't have a weight issue, then you have what I call a mixed type ADHD. Now there is you have both different both types. And let me tell you something: the most successful people in the world have two different types of ADHD. The heads of every major corporation have two different types of ADHD, like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, uh, and very few of them probably finish college, and yet they're the heads of corporation. So if you if you you yourself are creative and you don't have weight issue, then I suspect you have two different types of ADHD. So. I am a creative. I've been an, a performer and artist my whole life, and. Most of the creatives that I know, because I'm a stage performer, are not overweight because <laughs> um, well, that's sort of a, a natural. Uh, well, then they're probably pretty active. <laughs> so. so question about the fight or flight response. How do you feel about breath work for calming the sympathetic nervous system and re- rebalancing the parasympathetic before jumping to a cream or a treatment like that? How do I feel about what? Breath work doing breath work to calm your, your fight or flight response. Oh, breath work, breath work. Yes. Breathing, intentional breathing. Since a lot of us have dysfunctional breathing patterns, shallow breathing. You know, there are a lot of different things that can help control people's anxiety and whatever, you know, and, but, you know, but I put them in the same category as band-aids. And in other words, you can get some relief from it, but the underlying cause is still there. In other words, breathing is not going to make the, the body stopped putting out a, a lot of adrenaline. I'm just saying it can relieve it for the time being. But if breathing is necessary and a lot of us are not breathing properly, wouldn't that still be I, the first step? Let, let me put, I have no problem with people breathing. I, I really don't. I, I don't like drugs, but, but I have no problem with things that people can do to make, them feel, make themselves feel better. But all I would say is that if they, if they also provide vegetables and coconut oil and MCT oil, they may not have to breathe as often. Do they have breathing exercises as often? That's all. I yeah, mean, that makes sense. Obviously, we want to take less breaths per minute, have a little respiratory rate, but some people still breathe into their chest or not doing full belly rib cage expansion. But you're saying the glucose will resolve that. Yeah. Let me, do you, by the way, do you grind your teeth at night? I do not. And our, de- our father's a biological dentist. So um, I'm sure he'll be curious to hear about the grinding because he's a root cause man as well. Okay. Grateful to not grind my teeth either. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have any problem. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with people that want to take, you know, those kind of steps. But to me, 
it's a lot simpler just by adding the right kind of nutrients and using some progesterone cream, which is very healthy anyway. <clears throat> you know, progesterone not only blocks adrenaline, it blocks estrogen and it blocks insulin. It blocks the three most toxic hormones in the body. You know, insulin is what puts on fat around the middle uh, and it speeds up the aging process. Um, you know, estrogen causes six different cancers and, you know, fibroids and endometriosis and, you know, adrenaline creates a lot of problems. So, and progesterone blocks all, all those hormones. So why not? Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. It's something that people can do on their own. You, you know, if people go to my website, you know, I have two different types of 5% progesterone creams. And progesterone is also good for dogs. You know, dogs that have what's called separation anxiety. If you put inside the ear uh, within, within a minute, the separation anxiety is gone. Uh, hmm. Dogs that are afraid of thunder, dogs that are aggressive. You know, this is all adrenaline. What about cats? Because my cat has separation anxiety. Well, I, you can't hurt the cat with it. So try okay. to, you know, it goes inside the ear. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about doing that because I heard you say that on another podcast and I pulled out my progesterone and I realized it was expired. So I'll have to get some, a new source. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the dog. <laughs> Well, great. Well, Dr. Platt, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with us today. But before we let you run, if we can just ask for one final piece of advice that our listeners can start doing right away to optimize their health. Well, you know, if, 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 any, if anything that we talked about seems pertinent to them, the most important thing they, they need to realize is, is that it's very easily fixed. And without intervention of, of a doctor, this is something they can do on their own. I've written a book, you know, Adrenaline Dominance. It's the only book that's ever been written that talks about adrenaline. On my website, I have a, a 30-day meal plan to lower adrenaline, a lot of recipes, whatever, and uh, a lot of information about, you know, progesterone and adrenaline on my website. And I'm always available to answer questions, by the way. Um, Great. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Well, we will, we'll link to your website in the show notes, um, which is platwellness.com. We'll also link to your book. Adrenaline Dominance. So if anyone wants to check it out, that'll be in the show notes for today. Um, and thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, if they have questions, just have them call me. Great. We'll put your contact info <laughs> in there too. We appreciate that. That's I'll very sitting, nice of you. I'm sitting by the phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your time and your availability. We appreciate it. Thank you, ladies. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. And Thanks. thank you to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.